This episode of the Enhancement Talent is brought to you by the internet wrestling community, doing their absolute best to make sure that nobody is enjoying themselves since the late 1990s. Managers are a staple in professional wrestling. They promote, enhance, and even cheat for the wrestlers in their charge. And most managers have more than just one client in their stable. So tonight on the Enhancement Talent, we decide which manager-wrestler combos are the best. Join us as we give you another You Pick'em episode, this time focusing on managers. All right, thanks again for listening to another episode of the Enhancement Talent Podcast. I'm your host, the man in the rafters, the one they call Tony Lopez. With me tonight, as always, the other half of the amazing Lopez Cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez. How you doing tonight, Bob? I'm doing great, sir. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. A little wet, it's rainy out there, a little gloomy, but... That's fall weather for you. What you going to do about it? Uh, how about yourself? How's your week been going? I saw Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. How was that? It was, it was fucking amazing. Yeah? Um, last Friday night, my buddy Steve and I, we went down there. Um, so it was cool because they make you lock up your phones. So that way you can't record any of the set. Um, so you got to put it in like this special pouch when you walk in through the door. And then they use, you know, like those magnetic strips they do when you buy clothes at a clothing store? Yeah. They use those special strips to open up your phone pouch at the end of the show. So it's supposed to be just be Dave and a couple other comedians. Uh, we got there and Linnell was there. She was in the Borat movie, if you remember her. Mm-hmm. Um she was there. Uh, Hannibal Burris came out, which was awesome. He's a Chicago comedian. Um, he he brought out a poet named J. Ivy, and then Dion Clark made a special or Dion Cole. I'm sorry, Dion Cole made Dion a special Cole, yeah. uh, appearance. He was fucking fantastic. Um, Donnell Rawlings, who is in the Chappelle Show, is Ashy Larry. He came out, he was fucking hilarious, and then Dave came out and just killed it. Um, I cried about nine ton times just laughing from all the jokes. Um, he will be releasing another Netflix special pretty soon, and he'll, he'll be recording it in a few weeks, he said. And um, he, he said, well, you know, you guys helped me sell, sell out the United Center for uh three days in a row so he won an extra hour um since we couldn't record him he was supposed to be done by about 10 30 ish and he went all the way till about 11 30 which was amazing and um at the end he mic dropped when he walked off the stage and then he came back running back on the stage and i was like oh i forgot to tell you the woo was in the building and uh method man came out and started singing uh, a couple songs from the wu-tang clan which was amazing that's yes. that's fucking awesome. So, yeah, my buddy went uh, the following day on Saturday, and he said that the show was over by about ten fifteen, and he said that uh, it was only Dave, Donnell Rawlings, and 
Hannibal Burris, and that was it. Man. So I was like, "Wow, so you got, we, we you got, got spoiled." Yeah, you got the extra, the extra large version of the show. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I fabulous. Yeah, I just remember I was lift driving that. Uh, was it Saturday? And when that show got out, it was just a shit show around the United Center. I was like, "I'm getting the fuck out of here. I'm not. Oh, I'm not dealing with this bad. shit." Yeah. It took us 45 minutes just to get into the United Center because of traffic. Mm-hmm. So we missed like the first 45 minutes of the show, but it was definitely worth it. Yeah, it sounds like it. How about you, Adam? How was your weekend? Anything as cool as Chappelle? Yeah, weekend was good. I had the uh, I had a long weekend. Uh, need to fill some vacation days. So I took some few days off. Had uh, some nice family time and uh I, I didn't get to see Chappelle, but uh got to got to hang out with my family watch the bears actually win um i caught up on a lot of uh AEW stuff that i was behind on my daughter was watching a lot of it so that with me so that was kind of fun to uh, get her take she's a big fan of uh roddy strong now um just like me we were, we were both dying at the uh, adam cole moving the furniture yeah, at uh, Roddy Strong's house, uh, so that was fun. Uh, my uh, my youngest daughter was in the homecoming parade, so so we uh, we went to the homecoming game <clears throat> and witnessed uh, Carrie Grove lose in Montreal Screwjob fashion. I actually oh. did the Bret Hart face in the uh, at the end because uh, the team they were playing Huntley uh, tied it on the last play of the game, and they went for. Or they were down by one. They went for two for the win, and looked like the guy didn't get in, but they called it a, a, a conversion. So, a lot of pissed off people in the suburbs. Call the damn touchdown. So, but it, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was nice just to have some time off and uh, and hang out. So, it sounds like an awesome show, though. Uh, I love Dion Cole. Uh, he's he's hilarious. Uh, I used to watch the uh, To Tell the Truth revival with Anthony Anderson, and when he was on there, he always killed it. Yeah. And Danell yeah, Rawlings, cool. yeah, he's, he was great in Chappelle's show. I've seen some of his stuff, too. He's, he's hilarious, so sounds like an yeah. awesome time. Yeah, Dan Cole's from Chicago, and, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard uh, he, had, he did an episode of Questlove's podcast. It was just fucking awesome. The guy's hilarious. He's also a DJ. He uh he de- yeah I guess he's a really good DJ too but yeah he's hilarious but uh, Adam you mentioned I catching up on some AEW stuff that kind of segues into our news portion of the show this week of course the big thing that happened this week in the wrestling world was AEW Dynamite got um, preempted today Wednesday by uh, Playoff Baseball which means. They pushed it to yesterday, which is Tuesday. And, of course, Tuesday is the regular home of NXT. So we've known that this was coming for about a week or so now. And in the build-up to that, AEW and NXT have been increasingly uh, <laughs> uh, pulling out all the stops when it, comes, when it came to last night's show. You know, you had... WWE 
announcing that main roster talent like John Cena and uh, Cody Rhodes and Asuka. And, you know, they already have Becky Lynch. She's already the NXT uh, women's champ. And also the Undertaker. uh, All these guys were going to appear on NXT. And then this episode of uh, AEW that they aired yesterday was their Battle of the Belts episode. So basically, you know, all a lot of the belts in AEW were up for grabs yesterday for Dynamite. Um yeah, it just it, it just seemed like there was a lot of back and forth between the companies. And of course this kicks off tribalism overload in the IWC. You know, there's some clamoring back and forth. Well, not really back and forth, but yeah, Tony Khan taking shots at uh, both uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels, calling them bald assholes on Twitter. Um, Yeah, it was just, wow. It was just a lot of shit that you hadn't seen in a long time, and it was much ado for just a one-time head-to-head showdown between these two shows. And apparently the ratings came out today, and... NXT won by a pretty healthy margin, which I was expecting, to be honest with you. You know, there was a lot of, like I said, main roster talent that they put on NXT. Plus, NXT is staying in its usual time spot on Tuesday nights. Whereas, AEW moving from from Wednesdays to Tuesdays, historically, you, you shed some viewers when that happens. Um... But they both did pretty well in the demo, and, you know, what was it? I think NXT did like 921,000 total viewers. Uh, AEW did about six, what was it, 600, uh, about 600,000. Like 630. Yeah, 630, something like that. Which means altogether, head-to-head, there was like 1.5 million people watching wrestling. At so you know, at, in that time period yesterday, from seven to nine Central Time, which is good news for wrestling in general. You know, it was a really good number for NXT. It was you know slightly down number for AEW, but considering the circumstances, it wasn't a bad number by any means, especially the demo number. Um, I think everybody just kind of benefited as a whole as a wrestling fan because you're getting two companies putting top-notch shows out just to compete with each other. That's what's supposed to be happening right now, you know? So NXT, yeah, sure, they get bragging rights. They won They won the night. But, you know, if you're an AEW fan, you can't be mad at the show that Dynamite was because it was really entertaining in and of itself as well. Um, I don't think anybody really um, won in a slam dunk. So, yeah. I just thought it was a really cool, just a really cool night of competitive one-upmanship. What was your guys' takeaway from uh, the showdown last night? Let's start with you, Bob. Where you said that the the winners overall were were the wrestling fans. I mean, I agree. You had two uh, great shows going head-to-head. I thought NXT had the great night when it came to, like, the vignettes and the um, 
backstage stuff. A lot of the, uh, I mean, that Brian Pillman vignette, fucking awesome. Yeah, that, that was, was pretty, great. That, that was pretty cool. Uh, Lexus, uh, the, the thing with Paul. Lexus, Lexus King. King. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at first, I wasn't too thrilled with the name, but that's, I guess it's, uh, he's going after his sister, Lexi's name, and then uh, the king of his, you know, the last name of his other family members. So now I get it, and it makes kind of sense. Um, the vignette they did with Paul Heyman, where he's trying to recruit, recruit the Rock's daughter into the bloodline, that was cool as hell. You know, so, like, a lot of the stuff that they were doing, Cody, The Undertaker, LA Knight, you know, they... they 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 brought out the the a top talent you know whoever yeah. they had to bring out but when it came to the actual wrestling aspect of it I thought AEW had some great matches you know you start off with Swerve and and Danielson and it's just like all right we're starting right off the bat let's go you know and um, I, I think who, the the main victors like I said was just the uh, the fans who got to see uh, a great night of wrestling action back and forth I mean the way that they ended the show was actually really cool you know. The big old, good old J.R. Downey broke in the middle of the ring, slobber knocker going on, everyone's getting their ass kicked, and there's uh, Christian tapping in the center of the ring, you know, it's pretty cool. And notice they did the the old school, like, nitros, like, we're running out of time, we gotta go, bye-bye, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That was pretty fucking cool. Um, I agree with you. I think that um, as far as the vignettes and the backstage stuff and the interviews, um, NXT, you know, kind of was in front with that but as far as like the actual wrestling matches i i I would give the edge to dynamite last night as well um so yeah it it all depends on on what you prefer there's a lot of wrestling fans who prefer you know the vignettes and the talking and the whatever and then there's wrestling fans who prefer the actual wrestling so it it's about what you prefer and you are if you already know what you prefer you already know which company you're you pretty much uh, watch mostly, so yeah. Like I said, I don't. I wouldn't give the nod uh, decisively over one or the other, but for what you prefer, I'm, re- I'm really, I'm really interested to see NXT's numbers next week. Yeah, when all the big stars are gone. Well, yeah, you when know, they're not, I would really have been interested. Yeah, and that's what everybody I think was saying too. Is like this isn't sustainable. Like NXT. Their rating, the ratings have been on an uptick. You know, they're they're averaging like, you know, about six to seven hundred thousand viewers now every Tuesday, which is up considerably from what they were even a year ago. But yeah, they're not gonna. I don't see them getting like even with all those stars that were on the show last night, they didn't crack a million like AEW has has done several times since they on Wednesday nights. So yeah, I don't see that. I don't see a number that big sustaining. Um, how about you, Adam? What are your thoughts on the whole thing? <clears throat> well, you mentioned the IWC, and and it's it, it, it's like smoking. It's a terrible habit. It, it, it truly is because yeah, uh, you know I, I saw people's comments when the when the numbers came in, and yeah, a lot of people did say like you both said, you know. A million and a half people tuned into wrestling on a Tuesday. That's that's tremendous. That should be celebrated. Um, but you got these these other people who are you know. That was my favorite comment I saw from somebody like, "Oh, you have all these top stars and you can't break a million because you know a lot of the WWE 
drones, as they call them, like to go, oh, well, you can't break a million. Uh, you know, when Dynamite pulls a, like a 900,000, oh, it's still not a million. So, you know, Turnabout is fair play on that. Um, it's just some of these, you know, I, I, I think it, it's fun to go head-to-head, but I just think, like, <laughs> the way both Tony Khan and Triple H and Shawn Michaels kind of came off, it was like two fighting children. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to put all these big guys on the show. Okay, well, we're going to do all these title matches. Okay, well, we're going to... Uh, NXT's going to be commercial-free. Okay, well, we'll be commercial-free. Well, we're going to overrun 10 minutes. We're going to overrun 12 minutes. And then the Tony Khan puts on a buy-in. <laughs> like it's a pay-per-view, <laughs> which was awesome. Don't get me wrong. I did tune in for that. I mean, who wouldn't want to tune in to see uh, Eddie Kingston versus uh, Suzuki? That was great. Uh, so, yes, in that sense, uh, the fans are the real winners there um, because, again, these, 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 you know, it's just a big pissing contest uh, for one week. It just reminded me of Eric Bischoff back in the day. Oh, let's, uh, let's throw all this stuff on TV for free just so we can get one win over the WWE for a week. Um, you know, and like you guys said, um, you know, one company is better at you know this they're more into the storytelling and the vignettes and and the complete uh total picture and the other company is uh more straight ahead wrestling so um i don't think there's any real winners or losers um you know um i would i i wish the numbers were a little closer but you know again numbers aren't always reflective of what show is better um that's up to you to decide. You know, back in the day, you know, when when WCW was beating WWE for 83 weeks in a row, WWE had the better show, in my opinion, for a substantial period of time, but it just didn't reflect on the ratings until they finally crossed over. So, you know, it was, it was fun to watch, but, uh, you know, it gets sullied for me when I look at comments. I'm going to stop looking at comments, you know, and... Uh, collision this week when uh ftr lost the tag belts and pretty much got squashed uh all these people are jumping out oh they're going to wwf oh they're you know they're gonna join cm punk in wwe because they lost cleanly to big bill and ricky starks and then you look uh uh cash wheeler's injured and needs to be off of tv that's the reason they did it but but all these people jumped on twitter and I, and I thought of you, Tony. I'm like, maybe I should get off Twitter because all these people are all, you know, they're, they're leaving. Yes. And, and, and people are like, they just signed a four-year yeah. deal. They're not going anywhere. Oh, no, they're going. They're going. It's confirmed. If you're not going to get off Twitter altogether, avoid wrestling Twitter because it's just, I mean, I, I would say follow, like, any kind of news source you want. But don't read the comments. But even it's, that, it's, it's bad for your health. Even that, you know, like people have been saying for weeks, oh, CM Punk's going to be at the Survivor Series. CM Punk's going to be at the Survivor Series. Now Meltzer and people like that are like, oh, no, no, they, they don't want him. I don't buy that yet. I, I would not at all be surprised if he showed up at the Allstate for the Survivor well, Series. I, well, I, I was going to bring that up too, but, um, but yeah. I think you're right as far as avoiding Twitter. I think Tony Qua- Tony Khan needs to fucking avoid Twitter. To be, yeah. <laughs> to be honest he, with uh, you, I, I was surprised at the the bald assholes thing. Um, you know, 
it was it was yeah. amusing, but at the same time, it's like it just kind of he doesn't he do himself little, he doesn't yeah. do himself any favors. You no, know, he's, he came off looking not yeah. good. No, he doesn't come off looking good, and he's he's the he's the boss of a major wrestling company, and you can't be doing shit like that when you're the boss of a major wrestling company. You can't be acting like a fucking mark, you know. And that's exactly what he was doing on Twitter. The, the Vince, so, uh, he even he was dropping uh, shaded, throwing shaded Vince and his uh, you know, yeah. legal issues, and it's like I'd never seen him do that before, and it's like. I don't yeah. know, I guess, if the intent of WWE was to get under his skin, uh, well, they yeah, accomplished mission accompl- it. <laughs> yeah, mission accomplished, obviously. You no, know, he, he has did. he has to take the high road when it comes to that, and I think hopefully he learns that lesson. You know, throughout maybe hopefully this is what teaches him that lesson, you know, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah, you just, again, you got to stand by your product and just, you'll say hey you know this is what we got and you know hope you tune in again uh you know not to keep going back in time but again uh what was vince mcmahon's initial response to to nitro he had those asinine uh billionaire ted uh sketches and Mm -hmm. what did it do people went oh that's where randy savage and hogan are i'm gonna tune in the nitro yeah, and he just came off as bitter and oh, you know, and he was mocking the guys who helped build his empire, and it just came off in very poor taste. So this is kind of what, did, you know, hopefully he learns. A, hopefully, yeah, hopefully he learns a lesson. But um, you you kind of touched on what I wanted to bring up uh, in the next part of the news uh, portion, which is uh, reports coming in that now all of a sudden. You know, just just as recently as as this past weekend, like Friday or Saturday, you were getting um, stories almost confirming that CM Punk was going to be at uh, Survivor Series coming up in November. And now, uh, yesterday and today, we're getting reports that, in fact, he is not going to be there and that WWE has kind of washed their hands of the whole affair. Um, reports coming in from... Uh, Sean Ross Sapp at uh, Fightful saying that, and also from Dave Meltzer, um, saying that Punk had been in contact with WWE trying to get over, uh, but effectively that the higher-ups believe it's not the right time to bring him in and that there's still a large contingent of people at WWE who don't want anything to do with him. Uh, So they're saying that it's a no-go for Survivor Series. and that, To be honest with you, like I said earlier, I wouldn't be surprised if he shows up, but I'm not doubting these reports because let's not forget, Punk has burned not just bridges, but whole fucking highways when it comes to WWE. You know, I, I am sure, I mean, we can see how vindictive Triple H can be. I would not be surprised if Triple H was like, like just smiling the entire time, hearing that Punk wants to come back, only to have the biggest shit-eating grin on his face when he says, "And eh, no, we're not going to be doing that." Um, I could see that happening. I mean, fuck, the guy fired the man on his fucking wedding day for Christ's sake. Um, yeah, and I th- and they said that they wa- WWE wants to get that word out that they're not interested. 
to the fans because they don't want um, fans to be disappointed once Survivor Series comes around and Punk ends up not being there. You know, because, you know, you're going to have a whole building of Chicago fans, you know, at the at at the Allstate doing CM Punk chants. And if he doesn't show up, what the fuck do you think is going to happen? You know, by the by the time the show ends and CM Punk doesn't show up, is there going to be a fucking riot? Who knows? So I think they want to get that message out that, yeah, he's not coming. He's not coming. Don't get your hopes up. If he if that ends up being a smokescreen, then hey, they 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 worked us. Good job for them. But if they don't work, if this isn't a work and it's true that they don't want anything to do with them, then hey, is what that that is what that is, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised either way. You had Booker T coming out um, yesterday saying that look, Punk got fired from WWE. He got fired with cause from AEW. This is not the kind of guy you really want to do business with. And this is Booker T, who is still in good standing with WWE, saying this. So, if you want to say it's a work, cool. You know, I it could be. But I also would understand if it's actually true that nobody wants anything to fucking do with Phil Brooks at this moment. He is just toxic. And, Yeah. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh, let's start with you this time, Adam. What you say? You you're thinking it's bullshit, and that he's going to be at, at Survivor Series. I'm I'm down the middle, really. Um, I, I'm like you. Like I can believe in the validity of this reports, but uh, those reports. But again, like uh, people's reports, you know, and, and news change. Like people change their socks. It's always changing and evolving. So it could be a swerve and a smoke screen, like you said, and and not to get everyone's hopes up and then oh we fooled you uh i wouldn't at all be surprised by that um you know a lot of people have questioned you know is it worth the risk really i mean you know tony khan took the risk three years ago or two years ago because it was a big name uh he had an axe to grind still at that time with wwe and and uh i would put eyeballs on his product so from that standpoint it was a successful gamble uh the rest of it was a fucking disaster but <laughs> but the initial bringing him in was not um so but again the, the, they're riding high right now, WWE. Do you, do you want to rock the boat? I mean, you mentioned NXT ratings are up. Um, you know, the, the the sale is over, so now you're going to see um, new talent coming in. We've already seen it with Jade Cargill coming in, and uh, we mentioned Lexus, Alexis King. However, uh, I'm sorry, I think the name's ridiculous, but that's just me. Um, but you, you're already seeing that. Um and, you know, Cody coming in a, a little while ago, um, you know, uh, you know the, the creative, a lot of fans seem seem to be into it, say the shows are better overall. The pay-per-views seem to be getting better reviews as they go. So they're on a pretty good, uh, you know, upswing right now. So do you want to disrupt that with someone who, you know, the minute somebody says something he doesn't like, is gonna, you know, he's gonna go after him backstage or just cause dis dissension in the locker room, you know. So that's the thing. You're like, 
sometimes it's the old uh, gambling um, <laughs> adage, walk away from the table a winner. Um, is what he's going to bring you, is it going to be worth it? Or do you just stay the course and just keep trending upward like you've been doing? I, personally, I think that's what they should do, but I could also see them you know, doing something to really get people talking at the same time. So I'm, I'm like 50, 50. How about you, Bob? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, like you said, the biggest thing is he burned a lot of bridges on his way out. I'm still a lot of people. I mean, we talked about it last week, I believe when you said how Seth Rollins has visibly spoken out loud, about how he can't stand the man. Uh, Roman Reigns, who is the main leader of your your locker room, has said that um, you know he he'd welcome him back uh, when it comes down to doing business. But again, he's got a uh, he Roman Reigns has came out and said that CM Punk made his life miserable for him on his way out. You know, so there's a lot of people that uh, he does have a lot of explaining to do and a lot of uh, fences to mend here, but. It's always the WWE that we're talking about, you know. Never say never. Uh, Bret Hart, we never thought we'd see him back in the ring. Hulk Hogan, you never saw you see him back in the ring, you know. Bruno San Martino said he'd never come back and do anything with the WWE, and he, he's in the Hall of Fame, and he came back on the, t- the television. So it's just like, you, uh, when it comes to making money, it's all about the almighty dollar sign, you know. So uh, we've talked about in the past how, you know, now that TKO, that would Zufa be involved in the UFC? You know, they have uh, a relationship with CM Punk in the past as well. So wherever the money comes from and whatever brings in the dollars, I mean, as long as you um, put in the work to make the apologies, make it work, then it's all about making money, man. That's true. That's true. But, they, yeah, it, those reports, they, they mentioned that. They said it it's going to take a lot of mending offenses for him, for him to come back. Um, there, I don't know. Uh, it could be, couldn't be. I, I'm more in. I'm more inclined to believe that he's not going to be coming back uh, because, like I said, you, you mentioned you know Bruno coming back and uh, a lot of other guys coming back. When it came to Bruno, that was pretty much all Triple H is doing. Because Bruno still had bad blood with Vince, and it was and it was Triple H who uh, kind of smoothed things over and got him back in. Uh, I would say that if if it was Vince, hmm? what was that? Warrior, yeah, yeah Warrior, the, the, the Warrior, Triple H yeah. too. Um, you got you got Goldberg who threatened Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Yeah, and how many times did they do business with that? That's true. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I guess. We'll have to wait and see. That's all we can do. Um, Speaking of Triple H, there was also news reports saying that the higher-ups at uh, Endeavor have given the creative reins uh, going forward to Triple H. Uh, They say Vince is basically just going to be in his uh, chairman role. He's going to oversee, you know, major business decisions. But when it comes to creative... It's going to be uh, Hunter running the show. So um, do you guys think that's a good or a bad thing? Uh, we'll start with you, Bob. If it's Hunter running the show, do I think it's a good thing? I do. Um, Hunter was running the show at NXT. 
NXT took off. NXT was doing amazing. Uh, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, Kevin Owens, you know, you had all these guys. NXT was the show to watch. Raw and SmackDown were struggling. And then Vince comes in and pretty much puts the kibosh on it and takes over. And what happened to NXT? It kind of went down. Triple H has a fantastic mind for the business of wrestling and the creative aspect of things. And I feel like he puts more emphasis on the creating the young talents and, and building them up. And, you know, Vince still goes to his guys here and there. And, I mean, how many times does Shane McMahon just randomly appear at a Royal Rumble or a WrestleMania match, you know? Um, so with him in charge running it, I think it's a great idea. I, I do. I really do. And, I mean, once we see these guys, uh, you know, the, these... The, the lesser name talent that aren't being utilized as much. Once you see them start getting the push that they would call Triple H's guys in the past, then you know that it's uh, really him in charge. So we'll see. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point Bob just made about the the younger talent. I I really think that's that's what they need to do. If if that's one of his big goals, then by all means he should take over. Because again. Uh, I'm tired of, again, I'm tired of John Cena. I was tired of John Cena 15 years ago, as you know, but, you know, you're trotting him out, even on the NXT, you're trotting him out, you're trotting Biker Undertaker out, and it's, it's like Brock comes back and leaves, and then he comes back and leaves, and it's like, you know, they just can't, they need to hitch their wagon to some different people. I I feel to to freshen the product up. So, if Triple H has got some guys earmarked for that, that he wants to start building the company around. Because I mean, we, what Cena said already. You know, <laughs> once once all the SAG stuff is resolved, he's out. He, he, yeah. he said it at the press conference. So, you know, the Undertaker is not gonna wrestle anymore. You know. Brock's going to wrestle 15 times a year. Even Roman hasn't wrestled too much this year, so they really need to start turning their attention elsewhere. And I know a lot of that has to do with Vince going to his tried and true. Um, so as long as Triple H has got a, a vision of you know a handful of guys and girls of this is who I want to go forward with, uh, yeah, it's it, it would be nothing but good good for them. And to not have Vince interfering and overriding him, I'm sure, would be a great relief uh, to him. Because who, who wants their father-in-law in their business all the time? I know I don't. Yeah. Well, also, last bit of news. Uh, today, the trailer for the uh, Von Erich bi- biopic, uh, The Iron Claw, dropped. And um, all three of us have seen it. I was very impressed. The movie looks very, very good. I was kind of worried that, uh, you know, I was kind of worried that pro wrestling being kind of the in the niche entertainment that it is, that it was going to be a story that kind of like had a broad sensationalized feel to it, that it was being made by people who weren't really understanding of pro wrestling and the story behind Devon Eriks, but after watching this trailer, man, it I was pleasantly surprised at how seriously they seem to be taking uh, the Von Eriks story. The music is great. The look of the movie is great. All the in-ring action, 
uh, the use of the sportatorium, uh, all of it just looks fucking fantastic. And they have a really good cast in there. Zach Efron's going to be playing Kevin Von Erich. Um, I forgot what the hell the name of the actor is. I, I, I had it up. God damn it. Uh, the guy from The Bear. Um, what the hell is his name? Uh, shit. Do you have any of you guys have it on you? I got to bring it back up. Jeremy um, Allen White. Jeremy Allen White, the guy, yeah, from The Bear. He's going to be playing Carrie Von Eric. And, um, yeah, just everybody they have. The guy they, they got playing Fritz, the guy they have playing David Von Eric. It all looks really fucking cool and really, really authentic. And I'm, I'm, you know, knowing the, the Von Eric story like I do, and you guys do as well, you know, being pro wrestling fans, it, you know, I'm I'm psyched just to see that, you know, that story up on the screen. I know it's not going to be a good time because, you know, as we all know, the Von Erich story is not, <laughs> it's not all puppies and rainbows. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just really psyched to see the product and, uh, yeah, the fact that it's being released right in the middle of Oscar season is a good, is a good, uh, is a good uh, sign as well. So we'll, we'll see how the Iron Claw uh, turns out being. Uh, Bob, what were your thoughts when you first saw the trailer? If you look closely when they show the glimpse of the Sportatorium, you can see Rich Tito walking in. <laughs> and, um, Straight from the amphitheater. But, um, it looked fucking awesome. When I saw it, I was like, holy shit, and I immediately texted you to you guys, and I said, this looks amazing. Um... I did read that uh, Marshall Von Erich, who's the, the who's the one that's still alive? Is it Kevin? Yes. Yeah, Kevin. Um, so uh, I guess they they didn't have Kevin actually involved with the making of the film, so uh, there wasn't some accuracies uh, that were, were along with the film. But uh, Marshall said he's still very excited, especially because. The one that was in charge of all the wrestling aspects and the moves and everything was Chavo Guerrero Jr. who was in charge of that. So um, I definitely look forward to it. I, I haven't been excited about a wrestling movie like this since uh, the actual wrestler came out in the past. But uh, this this looks really, really cool. So I'm uh, definitely going to check it out. How about you, Adam? Yeah, you're right. It's not going to be a lighthearted romp uh, like Mr. Nanny or Suburban Commando, but... Um Right. Yeah. No. I. No. Maybe no. Santa with muscles. You know. Yeah. That, no that cats w- that being w- launched into outer space, but um, yeah. But no. Uh, it looks. It looks tremendous. Um, the thing that that struck me. Obviously, I'm like I'm just a complete mark for music. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. You know, like you hear the opening chords of "Don't Fear the Reaper," and you're like, hell yes. You know, you just know. Oh, okay, this is the '70s and '80s, which is you know my you know my sweet spot with stuff but the way it looks the cinematography aspect uh it came off a lot to me like when they do the uh the dark side of the ring episodes and they do the little cutaways where they're reenacting certain things or, or even the tales from the territories it, the way it's shot it just looks like yeah uh you're going to be dropped right in the middle of that of that time um i saw air um months ago that's kind of how i felt about that movie like after about five minutes i forgot 
I was in 2023 and I was just placed in, you know, 1983, 1984. And that's kind of what this plays off of as to, um, I'll give credit to, to Zach Efron. You know, I, you know, uh, he put on, he put on a lot of weight or muscle to, to look, to look the part. Um, so, um, yeah, it's just it it, it kind of has an appeal too. It just it's an interesting looking story. Uh, my wife is not a wrestling fan by any stretch, but I could see her watching this movie because it's just the dynamics that go into it. Um, it's it's gonna be a hell of a story. So uh, yeah, I think it's uh, I have high hopes. Yeah, well, we shall see. It comes out around Christmas, so. I know we'll all be in the theaters going to see the Iron Claw, and we'll tell you what our thoughts after we see it. All right. Well, that's the news for this week, and let's get to the uh, task at hand. This week on the show, we are going to do another You Pick'em segment. Uh, what did we do last time when we did the You Pick'em? I, I keep on forgetting. It's been a while. Yeah. I think it was like, um, didn't we like, what was it like? Oh, we picked a... Uh, I it, we picked a wrestler and we we uh, felt which federation yeah, they best right. performed in. That was what we did uh, for our last you pick them. This time around, uh, originally we were going to do tag teams, but um, couldn't really. I like I didn't really think that that was going to be satisfactory, considering you know a lot of wrestlers are in long time tag teams, and I think the answers would have been obvious. So I instead kind of did a 180, and tonight what we're going to do is manager-wrestler combos for our You Pick'em. What I'm going to do is I put the names of 20 major wrestling managers in a hat. We'll pick about 15 of them, and I'll give you guys the manager, myself included, and we will all pick who we think... Uh, was the best client for this manager and give you our picks for the best manager-wrestler combos when it comes to our picks. Um, Yeah. You guys uh, ready for this? Thumbs up. Ready to go? Adam, you ready to go too? Tough guy. All right. So I already have the names in the hats, so let's pick our first manager out of the hat. And that first manager is Harvey Whippleman. He is our first pick out of the hat. Awesome. Who do you who do you think was the best client of Harvey Whippleman? Let's start with you, Bob. Shit. <laughs> you know, Tony, when you told us about this topic uh, right before we started recording, I had no earthly clue why but Harvey Whippleman's name came to my mind I am dead serious like that was one of the first ones I thought of don't ask me why well we'll get to your pick later but let's start with Bob when it comes to Harvey Whippleman who do you think uh, was the best of the Harvey Whippleman uh, clients the crew that he managed um I remember he had Kamala for a short period of time. I remember he brought in Sid. Um, yeah, Giant Gonzalez. 
Big Bully Busick. Adam Bomb. Was he with Bertha Faye as well? Yeah, he did. He did her uh, her entrance music too, right? Yeah. Bertha Faye. I'm gonna go with. Um, I think he was with the Warlord too, right? I believe so. Yeah. I think the biggest name that I remember seeing him with had to have been Sid. I want to say he was Sid Justice slash when he turned heel against Hogan. Um, he was the one that was with him. So I'm going to go with Sid. I think he uh, he didn't have like a big stellar group that he kind of managed. So that that's my answer, Sid Justice. All right. How about you, Adam? Yeah, Captain Lou Albano, he's not... Um... I, I agree. I, I'm going to go with Sid, too. The thing I remember about him managing Sid, that was uh, after he turned heel, that was about the time he turned on Hogan uh, to set up WrestleMania uh, 8. And something that Sid would do um, in addition to the powerbomb, I remember somehow Harvey Whippleman became a doctor in between uh, Big Bully Busick and Sid. And so uh, the, he would put the uh, the which you call it the stethoscope on the wrestler's chest after uh, Sid squashed the guy. Uh, I remember Sid also putting some jobbers on the uh, on a stretcher and then pushing the stretcher down the ramp and having it hit the side of the ring. Um, that was kind of fun. So uh, yeah, I will. Uh, you know, he I think he was managing Kamala when he was. I think. Yeah, he was he was a heel. He came back for his second run, and they really didn't do Kamala any favors during that period. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Sid also. I'm going with Kamala. You know, when I think of Harvey Whippleman, hmm. you know, that especially that second run, I like him and uh, what was his name, the guy in the mask, Kim Chi. Kim Chi, that, yeah, which I Kim think Chi. was the Brooklyn Brawler, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. The, them trying to wrangle Kamala, I you know for me it's either that or the failed experiment that was Giant Gonzalez. Um, yeah, I mean I mean Sid is a good pick, but I'm gonna go with Kamala on this one because why the fuck not? You no know, big like said, Harvey fans here. Yeah, no, you know Harvey Whippleman isn't exactly uh, on the Mount Rushmore of managers, but you know. I'll give him his due when it comes to Kamala. I think he had, uh, think he had Adam Bomb, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did have Adam Bomb. That's true. With his uh, weird-ass goggles and shit. But, um, yeah, the context. Yeah. But, no, I'm going with Kamala. So you guys go with Sid. I say Kamala. So there we go. Are you I just didn't like face Kamala, because remember then he went to Slick, and, and, and then, uh, yeah, that was no good. Kamala shouldn't have been a face. Yeah. All right, let's get to our second manager here. Next one on here. We have the Sinister Minister. How about that? He, he uh, you know, he, he's got a long storied career in ECW as well as Impact. Uh, what do you guys, what are your picks when it comes to the Sinister Minister? Let's start with you, Adam. I'm at the... Excuse me, I have to look at some of the guys he had. Um, I'll start off. I'm going to okay. go with uh, 
I, I liked him with uh, Mikey Whipwreck back in ECW. I, I liked that pairing that he had. When Mikey Whipwreck started, you know, he wasn't the aw shucks, you know, lovable loser Mikey Whipwreck anymore. He uh, kind of fell under the Sinister Minister spell. And, you know, that's when he started dyeing his hair red and was just a little bit more of a heelish persona. And I like that. I like that combo of those two together. So I, I'm going to go with Mikey Whipwreck on that one. Uh, how about you, Adam? Have you got your uh, your pick? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of torn because it looks like he also managed Abyss in, uh, in TNA. And, of course, Abyss was pretty huge back then. Um, but, yeah, I hear what you're saying about not only uh, did he manage uh, – Mikey Whipwreck, but then um, Tajiri was his tag partner. That's true. And they were a pretty solid tag team. Um, they were, I think they were they were in the hunt for the belts. Uh, I think they won it too uh, towards the end of the company's run. And yeah, that's, uh, you know, we've talked about Tajiri before, how he kind of changed his character evolved. He became more kind of darker and, you know, he had the mist and he grew the beard and grew his hair out and looked more menacing and he he fit good with those guys. I'm not as familiar with the uh, TNA days, so I'm gonna go with uh, yeah. I'll go with him with Mikey Whipbreck and uh, Tajiri and ECW. All right. How about you, Bob? Good old Father James Mitchell. Um, I liked him. I, I did follow him a little bit when he was with the TNA, so I did like him when he was with the BIS, but. I like him when I first got introduced to him, and that was when he was in WCW. Um, he came out with Mortis, who eventually became Canyon. Um, but that that was the one that sticks out to me the most. I remember him being there with them, and you know, obviously Mortis didn't talk. He was like your Mortal Kombat character, but he was uh, the voice for him. And uh, I'm going to go with Mortis, just because I, I remember both of them kind of being hand-in-hand hand whenever I would see both of them together. All right, so there we go. We have the Sinister Minister as our second pick. I'm going with Mikey Whipwreck. Adam, you as well, along with Tajiri. Of course, me supporting Tajiri, it's on, you know, you don't have to question that. And Bob, going with his WCW days and managing Mortis. So there we go. Let's Mortis move on. and Wrath. Mortis and who was and Wrath, Tony? Do you remember who was Wrath? Wrath was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Adam Bob, wasn't it? Adam Bob. There you go. I, I know my shitty WCW. I know. All right. Uh, Adam Bob name dropped twice. That's right. And I'm in a full disclosure. I'm going to make a confession right now. Uh, I had an Adam Bob, uh, not a poster, but I, I took his picture out of the WWF magazine back in the day, put it up in my room just because his name was Adam. There you go. Now, now uh, Adams are better represented these days. All right. Let's get to our third manager here. It is the Jive So Bro himself, the Reverend Slick, coming in as our third manager. Uh, let's see. I, I started the last one. Bob started the first one. Adam, let's start with you. Who is the best client of the Reverend Slick? Dude, I got to go for my boy, uh, Big Boss Man. Um, <laughs> got to go, go with him. But I'll, but I'll extend it to the Twin Towers because uh, he managed Boss Man and Akeem. Um, they were pretty high-profile tag team together for for period. Uh, we always talk about the Mega Powers exploding and um, 
in the, the Twin Towers is who Savage and Hogan faced on that main, the fateful main event where the Mega Powers started to unravel. Um, but yeah, uh, Boss Man came in white hot as a heel, uh, feuding with Hogan uh, when he came in, and Slick was his manager. And uh, you know, Bob mentioned a couple times on the show seeing him and Hogan in a cage, uh, you know, at house shows. And uh, yeah, uh, the boss man was just a imposing presence, um, and he could move really good for a big guy. Um, and yeah, him and Akeem walking around, they looked like serious threats to to our heroes, uh, bonded in friendship and maybe a line or two of cocaine. So. Um, yeah, uh, it, it Slick was the mouthpiece, and, uh, yeah, he just, he just came off as real, I don't know if I want to say slimy, but, you know, swarmy, you know, he had that, you know, he had that dastardly heel, uh, manager thing going, that was really big back then, so, uh, yeah, that's the one, when you mentioned Slick, other than watching him, uh, officiate church services on primetime wrestling, uh, First thing I think of is Big Boss Man and uh, Akeem. All right. How about you, Bob? What's your pick for the Reverend Slick? See, I go old school. I mean, I I, I always picture him, like you said, with uh, Akeem. I still remember him with the one-man gang um, back then. That's true, yeah. I I picture Slick, and I see see Hercules Hernandez with the giant-ass chain, and I see uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed. Those are the first two people that pop into my head when I think of them as well. Um, he was all over Nikolai Volkov, Paul Roma, Rick Tomato Martel, Kamala. But um, I'm gonna associate him more with uh, with Hercules and, and Hacksaw Butchery. Those are the two guys that uh, I'll always kind of see him with together. Nice. I'm gonna go with uh, God. Just that vignette he did when they introduced Akeem. With Jim, with uh, me and Gene there, and Slick just really trying to sell it, and Gene's like, "What the hell are you talking about? That's that's the one man gang." He's like, "No, it's not the one man gang." He, he's Akeem the African Dream, and you know, from that point on, I just associated Slick with Akeem, just the way he was trying to sell the whole the whole uh, the whole gimmick and how ridiculous it was. So yeah, Slick. I still have his LJN, uh, you know, figure. Always one of my favorite managers. I think his perfect pairing was with Akeem. So, I, yeah. I, I love his theme music. Mm-hmm. Job so bro. Job so bro. All right. Let's move on to our next manager here. Our fourth manager. It is the one, the only, classy Freddie Blassie, legend of the wrestling world. Let's see. I'll go first this time. Uh, we talked about this when um, when we did our pro- our wrestler profile on Hogan. I loved the way that you know Hogan was enough of a talker that he didn't really need a manager. But I loved the combination of Hogan and Blassie back when Hogan would first debuted. And he was uh, the heel persona. You know, he had Hogan doing his own talking. You know, coming off as the conceited, uh, you know, narcissistic heel. But then you had Blassie coming in, you know, on top of that. 
just doing his whole pencil neck geek, you know, this guy is, you know, true definition of what a wrestler should, you know, just the one-two combination of Hogan and Blassie together, I, I just loved it. So my pick is for Hogan. Uh, Bob, who do you uh, have when you, when it comes to classy Freddie Blassie? My first thought, Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik, when they called him the Ayatollah. Um, he, he's the one that helped lead him to the titles yeah. back in 83. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm instantly drawn back to, like you said, when he had Hogan, I agree. Um, but I, I loved him as a heel, and just working with those two together, just... That's the one that stands out the, the most for me. I, I love it. All right. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Bob. Um, but, yeah, what a what a roster of people. Um, you know, Blackjack Mulligan, Peter Maivia, Adrian Adonis, Jesse Ventura, that's a good one, uh, George the Animal Steel, Mr. Fuji and Tanaka, Ivan Koloff. But, yeah, uh, when I think of him, I think of him, especially with the Iron Sheik, uh, very, you know, the uh, the kickstart to Hulkamania, where uh, the, he managed the Sheik to the title, and, and uh, you know, uh, Sheik was good on his own, but you know, to have that extra mouthpiece uh, alongside him to just even build the hatred even more uh, was a winning combination. And as Bob mentioned, then Nikolai Volkov and Sheik teamed up. Uh, won the tag belts and everybody hated the living shit out of them and you know uh, Freddie Blass he was a big part of that so uh, yeah again when you mention him that's those those were the two names that popped up uh, in my brain it was uh, Volkov and the Sheik alright well there we have it we have Bob and then I'm going with Volkov, Volkov and the Sheik I'm going with Hogan when it comes to classic Freddie Blassie that works for him, brother. Yep. All right. Our fifth pick. Here we go. Who many people think is the greatest manager of all time. The brain himself, Bobby Heenan. Um, Bob, let's start with you. Who, who would you pick as the best client that Heenan ever had? So many. <laughs> oh, man, there's so many. The Brooklyn Brawler, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, Rick Rude, Rick Flair, Paul Orndorff, Bachwinkle. Him and Bachwinkle yeah. together are fantastic. Um, Andre. Andre. I'm going to go Andre. I'm going to go Andre the Giant because he's the one that helped turn Andre the Giant heel. He was the mouthpiece for Andre during that time. Uh, he helped Andre realize that Hogan was trying to steal all the glory with his trophies. And, uh, you know, he was the one that led Andre down the, the aisle at a WrestleMania 3 in such an iconic match at that time. So, um, I mean, he, like you mentioned, probably the greatest of all time. He's got a who's who of uh, clientele, but Andre the Giant's uh, number one. All right. How about you, Adam? Yeah, uh, Andre's a great pick. Um, yeah, uh, I have a I have a 1 and a 1A, I think. So um, just for the sake of 
uh, a little variety. I'm going to put uh, Mr. Perfect uh, as mine. Um, those two had chemistry for days. Um, you know, Mr. Perfect won the icy belt at least two times, maybe more, under Heenan's tutelage. And they just, together, were just two of the most arrogant but highly entertaining people. They just really fed off each other. Um, you mentioned Ric Flair later on down the line. Uh, Flair had not only Heenan in the WWF, he had Mr. Perfect as his executive consultant. Uh, you know, I always I always loved Heenan and, and Kurt Henning together going, we're not the kind of guys to say, we told you so, but we told you so. They just, you know, Mr. Perfect could have been like a son to Heenan. That's that's how it came off to me. He was just exactly like the brain, but you know, obviously younger. Um, they just had this you know, "I'm better than you" thing going, and uh, arrogance and, and cockiness and spades. But it was done in a way that it was endearing, and, and you couldn't help but but like them anyway. Um, yeah, I, I just had the image of Mister Perfect throwing the towel behind him and Heenan catching it and. Um, that was one of his last clients, I think, uh, before he kind of got out of managing. But um, they were just they were just great together. Um, and, and then when he broke away from Bobby Heenan, that was a great moment in WWE history, too. Uh, so I'll go with Mr. Perfect. All right. So Bob goes Andre. You go Mr. Perfect. I'm going Rick Rude. I That's loved. Yeah, I, I loved Heenan and Rude together. You know, Rude would come out, do his, you know, cut the music. This is for all you fat, out of shape, Pennsylvania sweat hogs. But, you know, Rude would do that in the ring. But then, you know, Heenan would be there just to, you know, back him up just as well. Just with, you know, the dastardly shit. Like, remember how um, Heenan cost... Uh, uh, the Warrior, that match against uh, Rude when he held on to his foot. Shit like that. And, you know, when they would, like on Superstars, when Rude would um, put the Rude Awakening on some jobber, and, you know, he'd cover him and it's like, one, two, and then they cut to Heenan and he'd just be like, one, two, three. That's it. And he'd walk into the ring with the robe and everything like it was just another day at the office, you know, Rude just being another ham and egger in there in the ring. Yes. And it, I just think they were a perfect complement for each other. So, yeah, I'm going with Rick Rude. One of my favorite Heenan things was, and there's so many, but when Rude, I guess, took some time off right after Warrior beat Hogan at WrestleMania six, he was the first challenger for the belt. And uh, Rude had cut his hair, and he was. they did all these vignettes where Rude was training for his match. And Heenan had... Uh, instead of the he had targets on his hands and they had the warrior's face on him and Rude would punch him he'd be like oh Rude Rude it like Rude punched him one time and Heenan flew back like 10 feet like oh man <laughs> all the power in those punches he, uh, <laughs> I could talk about Bobby Heenan all day yeah well, there we have it our picks for the ultimate clients for Bobby Heenan alright let's get to our 6th pick here out of the hat the one, the only, Sherry Martell is our next manager up on the line here. 
Adam, let's start with you. Who was the ultimate client for Scary Sherry Martell? Two immediately jump off the page at me. Um, I'm trying to decide which one. Um, I think, though, I'm going to go with, I think, her contribution to this particular wrestler. He would tell you himself even, and I think he did in his book. Um, she was immensely instrumental in shaping him into making him bring him from a tag wrestler to a singles competitor, and that was Shawn Michaels. Uh, of course, the original version of Sexy Boy was her on the vocals, and uh, yeah, she managed him uh, when he started his singles career. You know, he was the cocky uh, boy toy, and uh, she would carry a mirror to the ring for him to, to pose in. Uh, that must have been where Lex Luger got the idea from. And, uh, yeah, she was, like, his, his groupie, pretty much, his cheerleader. Um, you know, and uh, as we saw from other clients of hers, uh, she would get physically involved when she had to help them win some big matches. And, you know, Michaels was not the greatest on the mic when he first started out. That evolved over time, uh, and then he became great at it. But he was a little green at it when they split the Rockers up. So she was the perfect catalyst to to really help shape that personality. Um, so I, I'm going to go with, uh, and one of my favorite moments was uh, was when Marty Jannetty came in the mirror behind Sean the one time and, and hit Sherry with the mirror by mistake because Michaels pushed her in, in front of, of him, so she took the mirror instead of him. Um, all great stuff. So I'm going to go with Sean Michaels. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna go with Michaels too. I, I loved what I loved what she did with with Savage. You know, when Savage was the Macho King and she was Queen Sherry, and you know they they had a evil rule, of, you know, over the WWE during that period um, until eventually, you know, Savage went went face again, and Miss Elizabeth came out after uh, Sherry you know, turned on him and was kicking him in the middle of the ring after he lost. And then, you know, that's when the big reunion between him and uh, and uh, Elizabeth happened, which caused many a people to cry and celebrate out, out in the crowd. But um, but I, I agree with you, though. I loved what she contributed to Shawn Michaels' early solo career. Um, like you said, Michaels very green on the, on the mic, just as he was getting out of the rockers, Sherry could cut a promo like nobody's business. She can get involved in matches. And she did all that to get a very young Shawn Michaels to the to the point where he needed to be. Um, she was also great with, uh, you know, I, I remember when she was managing Harlem Heat in WCW. She did a great job with them. You know, she... Everybody loves Sherry Martell, but I think, yeah, her peak as far as a manager goes was when uh, she was with Shawn Michaels, so I agree with you on this one. Bob, how about you? What's your pick when it comes to the best client combo with Sherry Martell? I liked her with Shawn Michaels. I really enjoyed her with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, like you said. Um she was with the Million Dollar Man for a short period of time. 
She was with uh, Ric Flair, WCW, when he lost the title to Hogan. Uh, 94, but my, my favorite time seeing her work was, uh, Harlem Heat. You just named it. Um, she, I just felt like she just took them to that next level. Uh, she helped step up the game for them. And, um, you know, that's what ended up their championship, uh, reign started with her at the helm. And then, you know, they had Colonel Robert Parker a little bit afterwards with, with them together. But I felt like, uh, sensational sherry or sister sherry as she was called during that time she kind of uh helped them step up their game and become the amazing tag team that they were all right so me and adam pick show michaels bob picks harlem heat when it comes to sherry martell all right let's get to our manager number seven here out of the hat and we have percy pringle slash paul bearer all right. You shut I'll, your mouth. Yeah, I'll start with this one. It really comes down to two for me, of course. It's either Taker or Kane. God, I mean, I have to go Taker, right? I mean, you kind of have to go Taker. Just being the mouthpiece for for Taker, especially early in his run, you know, his 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 work on the mic, his work with the urn, Everything, you know, when you think of, when you, when you think, exactly, yeah, when you think of him, you think of him with The Undertaker, but it does speak highly of him that he was able to have, you know, just as good of a run with Kane as he did with The Undertaker, you know, maybe not as prolonged or as, you know, maybe not as long or as storied, but still had a hell of a run with Kane. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with Undertaker on this one. Uh, Bob, how about you when it comes to Percy Pringle slash Paul Bear? Why no love for Mankind or Vader when he managed them as well? Hmm? Yeah. Because hmm? Taker, Taker and Kane overshadowed that, you know, let's be honest. He yeah, used to beat people with I, his shoe when he managed I, uh, Vader. <laughs> No mercy. Um, I feel like he and the Undertaker just go hand in hand. Um, you know, like you said, they were just they came in together after Survivor Series, and you know, he just represented them after Brother Love dropped them off, and he, like you said, he was the spokesperson for him when the Undertaker didn't speak, and you know, he was involved in so many amazing storylines and angles, and when the Undertaker would go away, he was the one that resurrected them, and. You know, he was the one that was a part of the Kane storyline, and just it just always has to do something with uh, both of those two hand in hand. So, Kane was a big part of it as well, but uh, the, there was more longevity in storyline with with the Undertaker. All right, how about you, Adam? Yeah, you look at it, and and you know, the the number of legends that he that he managed. You know, Bob brought up Vader and and Mankind, which are two good ones too, and Kane, of course, uh, even in his. Uh, Early days, uh, you know, he managed the young, uh, stunning Steve Austin. He managed Rick Rude. We talked about a few minutes ago. Um, so just tremendous talent. But yeah, this is this is a slam dunk. Um, <clears throat> yeah, of course, Undertaker started out being managed uh, by Brother Love. That's that's a trivia question we all know. But uh, I think Pritchard was left the company around 
the time that the right pretty soon after that happened and they they gave the reins uh to paul bear and and uh he just took the ball and ran with it uh the funeral parlor what a great uh little segment that was and yeah he was the mouthpiece uh for the undertaker um when he wasn't speaking a whole lot and even when taker did find his voice he was still there by his side most of the time and and uh the fans ate it up um and yeah it all goes like you said it all circles back to him even in times when he and undertaker were at odds uh he was always the focal point so yeah uh this is this is the easiest one so far yeah all three of us in agreement paul bear slash percival pringle he is the best when hooked up with the undertaker all right let's get to our eighth pick here we're about halfway through now our eighth manager out of the hat <laughs> let's let's go back to WCW and go through the career of Sonny Ono. Oh my god. Yes. Yeah. Sonny Ono is next up here at number 8. Um basically if you were Asian of any type in WCW, Sonny Ono was your manager at some point. Um I know his background was he was a karate buddy of Eric Bischoff, so that's how he got into the business. I mean, um, if that doesn't qualify you, what will? Yeah, right. But uh, I think he was most effective, you know, I liked when he was paired with Ultimo Dragon. You know, Sonny Ono, of course, was more of a heel manager, and I know, you know, when Ultimo Dragon first came in as you know, into WCW, they tried to uh, kind of push him off as a heel uh, with Ono, but they eventually kind of broke free, and he went on to become a face. Um, let's see here. Let me look him up and see who else. Uh, he, uh, let's see, Sonny Ono. Yeah. So, he, a lot of the guys he worked with, like I said, Ultimo Dragon, uh, who else? Bull Nakano. Yeah, Bull Nakano, Jushin Thunder Liger, uh, let's see, Prince Ayakea. Yuji Nagata. Mm-hmm. Masahiro Chono, Psychosis, Ernest Cap Miller. Oh, that's right. He was with Ernest Cat Miller. Oh. Out of all those, I'm going to go with Ultimo Dragon. You know, I think you know Ono was kind of a. I just put him. I just put him in there because he was a manager, and I was just running out of space. But I think you know, I think he did. He did his best work representing Ultimo Dragon. How about you, Bob? Yeah, it's kind of like The Undertaker and, and Paul Bearer. I mean, I feel like his best work was with The Ultimate Dragon. He he didn't have a a stellar who's who like Bobby Heenan did. He had more of a, like you said, if you're an Asian wrestler, go hang out with Sonny Ono. He'll, he'll manage you. Um, you know, Yuji Nagata, you could go out there with him. Akira Hokuto, she won the title when she was with him. You know, Kazusuke Sake was with him, but... Other than that, the one that actually had the most amount of, of uh, championship reigns and 
notoriety with him was uh, the Ultimate Dragon. All right. How about you, but uh, Adam? Yeah, uh, I was just kind of looking over his bio. Um, yeah, very interesting. And uh, Starcade '95, he had a, a New Japan team of Liger, um, Chono, uh, Masa Saito, Sasaki. So that's pretty impressive. But yeah, he's, he's mainly known for Ultimate Dragon. I'm going to go with that as well. Um, I mean, as badly as I want to say Ernest the Cap Miller after that that stellar pay per view we watched last week, uh, <laughs> I, I got I got to give props to his work with Ultimo Dragon. Uh, probably the most interesting thing, the thing I think of the most about Sonny Ono, though, when I hear that would be Bischoff's uh, karate buddy is uh, suing them in 1999 in a racial discrimination suit, um, which yeah. I th- I mean, yeah, it said uh, the lawsuit was settled out of court. So, but uh, that's what I remember is him suing them. So, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Ultimate Dragon. Uh, he won some titles with them. So, yeah, I'll agree with you guys. All right, we're all in agreement. Sonny Ono best when paired with the Ultimate Dragon. All right, let's get to number nine on our list. Out of the hat. And it is the man who calls it right down the middle. Bill Alfonso is next on our list, our ninth manager out of the hat. Uh, Bob, let's start with you. Who do you think was the best with Bill Alfonso? That one's kind of a toss-up. I feel like he was always with Sabu when he was with Sabu first. Uh, Before he went over to Rob Van Dam. Um, he did really, really great work with both of them, but it's just, I feel like he was with Sabu for a longer period of time. Um, if I could pick both, I'll pick both, but if you only let me pick one, I'm going to go with Sabu. All right. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I'll agree. It's a toss up. Um, but I'll, I'll go the other direction and I'll say RVD. Um, let's uh, yeah, Sabu was with him longer, um, and it's a great pick too. But uh, Sabu would come and go sometimes. He wasn't always around. Um, once he managed uh, Van Dam, you know he was a constant. You know RVD had that long um, TV title reign uh, before he had to vacate it uh, due to injury. You know all the uh, you know all the Van Daminators. You know he would set up the uh, the chairs for him to. <laughs> He'd hand him the chairs, or he'd hold them up even by the opponent's face. Uh, the the whistle, of course, had to get on people's fucking nerves. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm a huge Bill Alfonso fan. He was he was so much fun to watch. I I, I still marvel at that match he had with uh, Beulah McGillicuddy, where he just bled like a stuffed pig um, and she beat the shit out of him for like 15 minutes. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, whenever I think of uh, Bill Alfonso, I, I I remember seeing many shows live uh, where he'd lead uh, Rob Van Dam to the ring for a TV title defense or uh, or another main event. So um, I'll go with RVD. All right, Bob says Sabu, Adam says RVD. I'm gonna pick Taz, Tony. Pick Taz. Uh, I'm gonna see Sabu. Pick Taz. No, I'm not picking Taz. <laughs> I'm picking Sabu because while 
while he did good work with all three of those guys, Taz, RVD, and Sabu, um, he had to do a lot more work with Sabu as far as being his mouthpiece because Sabu didn't talk, you know. Bill Alfonso had to do the talking for him. RVD could talk. Taz could talk. Sabu was a mute. So, you know, when it came to selling those matches, it was Bill Alfonso, baby. You know, the one who calls it right down the middle. You know, if I had a whistle right now, I'd blow it. But, um, but yeah, Bill Alfonso. I, 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 I would appreciate that. Yeah, fuck him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, I I would say with Sabu is when he, uh, he did his best work because he had to flex the promo skills as well. Um, yeah, so there we go. Me and Bob going with Sabu. Adam going with RVD when it comes to the work of one Bill Alfonso. All right, let's get to manager 10 here out of the hat. Uh, let's see. Manager 10, Stacy Keebler. Stacy Keebler. Adam, let's start with you. Who did Stacy Keebler represent the best? Well, I mean, let's let's just dispense with the preliminaries. It's got to be test, right? Well, it doesn't have to be test. Just kidding. Um, she was involved in one of the most hilarious spots in professional wrestling history when Scott Steiner fell off the ring apron when uh, he wrestled. That test. is true. And, yeah. And I know some of us aren't the biggest test fans, but test sold that like he got shot. I mean, it was tremendous, but. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, her as the Duchess of Dudleyville. Um, not not my, f- I don't think the best manager the Dudleys had, but it was the best. Uh, it, was, it was the best she managed. Uh, I'm trying to think who else there was. David Flair. Well, her and Flair were together in real life, and yeah, she did manage him. Yeah. Um, yeah. She was Miss H- Miss Hancock. Remember in uh, yes. WCW. Yes, I I enjoyed that, but uh, I don't remember her managing anyone of any significance. So, um, yeah, uh, she managed she managed Silver King. Hell yeah, she managed Silver King uh, and El Dandy. That's that's significant right there. Who are you? Yeah, Adam. Who are you to question El Dandy? <laughs> uh, I am not qualified. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go uh, with the Duchess of Dudleyville. You know, obviously they had uh, Joel Gertner and ECW, who, I, who we all love, friend of the show. But um, you know, at first I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I like this, but uh, you know, um, she held her own. Um, you know, and that's a feather in the cap because Dudleys are the best tag teams of all time. So I'm gonna go with them. All right. How about you, Bob? Who do you think Stacy Kubler worked best with? I'm gonna say Test, um, and the reason I say Test, and and yeah, I see Adam's view and, and Dudley Boys, but the Dudley Boys never needed a manager or a mouthpiece. I mean, in, in ECW, you know, they they had sign guy Dudley and Joel Gertner, like you said. And Joel Gertner was great, but Bubba and Devon could talk. And as they progressed throughout their career, they, they, they were great talkers. Uh, and by that time that they were over in the WWE, they didn't need Stacey Keebler, where I felt Tess did. I felt Tess wasn't a great talker. Um, 
you know, his character when he first came out wasn't that great to begin with, so um, I feel like she kind of advanced his character a little bit more, so uh, I'm going to go with Tess on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, Bob. Um, same way that, um, you know, like I said, RVD and Taz didn't really need a mouthpiece uh, when it came to Bill Alfonso. Tess kind of needed that spark uh, to get over. So, yeah, I, I think Stacy did a lot for, for Tess when she came over and started managing him. Uh, don't get me wrong, it was nice to see Stacy Keebler... Uh, managing the Dudleys, especially in the camo skirt that she would wear to ringside. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I think her best work was with a guy like Tess, believe it or not. You know, she actually was able to flex more of her managerial muscle uh, with a guy like him than she was with the Dudley boys. I agree with Bob on that one. It is a good point. I, I, I will say, I think some of my judgment of Tess is cloudy because I was pissed at the time that he was with her. Uh, if I'm being honest, oh, well, we but can't have them all again. Now. He sold that, yeah, yeah, and he sold that apron trip like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there we go. Me and Bob going with test Adam with the Dudley Boys when it comes to Stacy Keebler. All right, let's get to number eleven on our list. Number eleven. It is. Maybe he's on the Mount Rushmore. I think he'd probably be on mine. The Mouth of the South himself, Jimmy Hart, is our next pick. You know, we said we had a lot of picks to go to, a lot of options when we have Bobby Heen, and we have just as many options when it comes to Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart has managed, you know, a shit ton of wrestlers. Everybody. Yes, in his time. Um trying to think let, let me start I'll start this one um god you can say anybody from like you know Greg the Hammer Valentine to you know Brutus Beefcake both of them together um the Heart Foundation Just, yeah god the list goes on and on honestly I'm going to go with that. I, I think Jim, Jimmy Hart hit his peak as far as the manager goes when it, when it came to the Hart Foundation. I loved him coming down with them. I loved he had the hearts all over his jacket, the hearts on his megaphone. He was, he was all in when it came to the Hart Foundation. I think he was a really good manager when it comes to them, especially in the early days when they were heels because he would pull his dastardly shit like hitting other guys with the megaphone. To get the to get the the Hart Foundation over, so yeah, I'm going with the Hart Foundation when it comes to Jimmy Hart. Uh, Bob, who is your pick when it comes to the Mouth of the South? You mentioned the Hart Foundation, and my earliest memories are him and Dino Bravo oh, uh, yeah. coming out. With Dino Bravo, that's um, right. But when I think of Jimmy Hart, um, the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Yeah, those two together, I felt like they were hand in hand. He was always in his corner, too. Um, Earthquake and Typhoon, IRS, DiBiase. But um, I'm going to go with the Honky Tonk Man. I feel like he he was with him in his corner, especially during that long reign that he had. 
and uh, he was just as, as pesky as the Hockey Tonk fan was in his corner. So, um, yeah, that, that's my pick. All right. How about you, Adam? What about the freaking Faces of Fear? Yeah, that's an option. <laughs> he, had, he had the Renegade, too. Oh, oh, of course. WCW Hogan? Yeah. The less said about him managing Hogan, the better. Um, Eric Bischoff said something about him, uh, about being, oh, uh, he said uh, when Hogan joined TNA, he was Jimmy Harded into the deal. I actually thought that was kind of amusing uh, when they brought (laughs) Hogan into TNA. Uh, But no, I'm going to agree with Tony. Uh, I'm going to go with the Hard Foundation. Uh, Yeah, to me, it was between them and the Honky Tonk Man. and what put it over for me was, um, yeah, Anvil could stroke his goatee and, you know, go, ha, 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 ha. But Bret Hart was, was pretty mute back then. Uh, he was very wooden on the mic, and, and they kind of needed somebody to to do their talking for him and, and get him over more of his heels. Um, you know, obviously the talent spoke for itself. So uh, given that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the nod to the Hart Foundation and, just as a footnote, I'm still pissed about the megaphone costing uh, them the titles against the Nasty Boys of WrestleMania 7. They should still be tag team champions. Yeah. Well, there we go. Adam and I, we go with the Heart Foundation. Bob goes with the Honky Tonk Man when it comes to the services of the Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart. All right, let's get to number 12 out of our head here. The number 12 manager we have here. Let me see here. The one, the only, Captain Lou Albano is next. All right. Bob, let's start with you. Who do you think was the best client of Captain Lou Albano? Hmm, I got to go back and think about these. Let me see. When it comes to good old Captain Lou, he was another one who had a shitload. The Wild Samoans stick out to me the most right now. Um, I think he was with Mr. Fuji, right? And Tanaka? I think he was with them as well. I think he was with them, yeah. But, uh... He was with the British Bulldogs for a short period of time, I want to say, as yep. well. I got to go with the Wild Samoans, just how terrifying of a tag team that they were, how dominating of a tag team that they were. Um, yeah, the Wild Samoans, uh, you know, I feel like him in their corner. Uh, just he, he, he fit in just with the craziness that they had and, like, the, his style, his look, the piercings that he had. He was just as fucking nuts as they were, so uh, that's my pick. All right, how about you, Adam? The Wild Samoans is an excellent pick, uh, and that's where I was going, but then just kind of scrolling through his bio, uh, I came across that he managed Ivan Koloff, um, and if you remember, Ivan Koloff ended uh, Bruno Sammartino's championship run. Um, you know, he had... 
He had uh, claimed that you know Koloth had challenged for the title before, had come up short, and Albano said he had the wrong manager. I'm going to lead him to to the title, and and, and he did. Uh, and it was a shocking moment at the time, and and uh, there was a lot of heat from the audience that security had to rush him out of the building because the crowd was rioting and and uh, crazy crazy stuff back then. Uh, so just for the shock value and for the heat he generated and for the landmark victory it was, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with uh, Ivan Koloff. That's a good pick. Um, but I, I, I'm going to agree with Bob. I'm going to go with the Wild Samoans on this. Um, one of the most feared tag teams in wrestling history. <clears throat> if you remember back to our tag team tournament back in March, they placed really high um, on that. And, you know, Afa and Sika, you know, they were the Wild Samoans. They didn't talk. They didn't, you know, they were just madmen. And they needed a manager to kind of, you know, speak for them and get the fear of God into everybody when it came to them. And Captain Lou was a great choice. Captain Lou, one of the best promo guys as far as uh, managers go back in the day. Um, and who could forget? You know, he had the the legendary thing where he had uh, the the rubber bands, you know, pinned to his cheeks. Who the fuck did anything like that? That was unique. Um, but, yeah, I would say the Wild Samoans is a good pick. So me and Bob going with the Wild Samoans. And, uh, Adam, you went with, uh, who would you go with again? Ivan Koloff. Ivan Koloff, that's right. So, yeah, there we go when it comes to... The captain, Lou Albano. And he made a great Mario, too. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> All right. Let's get to our 13th manager out of the hat here. Let's see. <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to say Jose Lothario. Not yet. He's going to have to wait because our next pick is Lanny Poffo himself, the genius. That's right. The genius was a manager. Adam, let's start with you. Ah, who's your shit. perfect? Who's your perfect client for the genius? I got. I know he managed. I don't. I don't know if he tactically managed Mister Perfect. Or he just ran with him because that was my first um, exposure uh, to the genius. Was him and Hogan uh, feuding? And he. I remember he won. I would count him out. as a man. I would count him as a manager for. Okay. For, for yeah. All right, because then he also, I know he managed the Beverly Brothers. We've somehow talked about a couple times the last few weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. So he did that. Uh, I think that's really about it, though. I, I, can't, I don't know if he managed anybody else. So, um, you know, WCW, he just collected a paycheck, which was, you know, what an awesome brother Randy Savage is. Hire my brother, never use him, and pay him. That's, that's pretty freaking awesome. Um, anyway, uh, I'll go with Mr. Perfect. Uh, Beverly Brothers were a decent tag team, but they never won any gold. Um, so, uh, I'll go with, uh, Mr. Perfect. Uh, you know, I did, I, I do remember him beating Hogan on the main event and being furious. And like, out of all people, that's what he loses to. So he, he certainly earned heat. And then they get his shifted gears and put Mr. Perfect in the feud with Hogan and, that was that was great. Uh, I also remember managing 
perfect at WrestleMania six, where uh, he got his hair cut by Brutus. So yeah, I'll go with uh, Mr. Perfect. Okay. How about you, Bob? I'm gonna go with the Beverly Brothers on this one, only because I feel yeah, Adam was right in that the fact that they didn't win the titles, but I feel like Mr. Perfect didn't need Lanny Poffo in this corner. Um, Adam mentioned earlier how you know Perfect had uh, Bobby Heenan earlier, and those two worked really great hand in hand. I agree 100% with that, but I feel like Mr. Perfect didn't need Lanny Poffo in his corner at all. Where the Beverly Brothers, they didn't really speak much. I don't, I don't remember him having promos or anything like that. So this was like a, a good hand in hand combination with both of those together. So I'm gonna go with uh, Bo and Blake on this one. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. You know, the the Beverly Brothers, they were a de- really decent team. I love their finisher, even though it fucking... The finisher was fucking awesome. Yeah, even though Kills it, people. it almost paralyzed a number of people. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, having a guy like the genius out there managing them uh, was really important because, like you said, the Beverly Brothers didn't really talk. They just went out there and spiked you on your head. So you needed... You needed poems in between that, you know. That, that that's, that's right. exactly what you needed. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the Beverly Brothers. Adam, you're going, Mister Perfect, and that's who we pick for the genius, Lanny Poffo. All right, our second to last pick here, our fourteenth pick out of the hat. Let's see who we got. <laughs> Some people know him as the Jackal. Others know him nowadays as the one, the only, Don Callis. Our second to last pick out of the hat is Don Callis. Oh, man. I'll start this one off. Um, I liked him as the Jackal. You know, it was kind of a stupid gimmick, but, you know, he was he had that, he had a unique look. And, um, but, you know, the, the, the wrestlers behind it just were not, you know, I'm not going to pick Kurgan, you know, as a, as his top client when you got Kenny fucking Omega right there with him. So, (laughs) um, yeah, let's see. He's doing great work with, you know, the Callis family now with Takeshita and, uh, Sammy Guevara that that's awesome fucking work, but I think he he hit his peak with Kenny Omega, you know when Kenny was doing the belt collector shit, and Don Callis was right there with him hyping him up. That was peak Don Callis, so I'm going with Kenny Omega as my pick. Uh, Bob, how about you? What's your pick when it comes to Don Callis? I uh, I was sad that you didn't pick the oddities. Uh, Giant Silva and Golga really needed the Jackal during this time. But uh, I feel like he's doing great work with Takesha. And um, and this is even before he did the, the Callus family. Um, you know, he, he's gotten... I feel like he's moved Takesha up to that next level of where he needed to be to be more of a reliable uh, challenger for a lot of these... Uh, stars in AEW because if you to catch another one he doesn't he doesn't talk so Callis is you know a perfect heat magnet for him uh he gets all the heat attracted over to to catch especially going after the big stars like the Kenny Omegas and um 
Yeah, Kenny Omega's great. I like them working together, too, like you said, and, you know, when he did the belt collector gimmick. But I feel, I feel like what he's done with Takesha and help make him into a star on AEW, AEW television um, and just the dude, the dude's music just fucking hits and the, the whole place goes ape shit. So, uh, I just, I just put them hand in hand with, uh, Takesha right now. So that's where I'm going. All right. Adam, who's your pick for Don Callis? Yeah. I love what he's doing right now. Um, I agree. Um, you know, again, we talk about looking to the future, um, and Takeshita is part of the future, Powerhouse Hobbs, Guevara, those are great guys. Um, and I think it's a, uh, he's got a good thing going there, uh, much better than he had with Sniper and Recon um, in the WWE. Uh, but I am going to agree with Tony and give the edge to Kenny Omega. Um, that was the catalyst. Uh, you know, Kenny Omega's title reign started uh, with him showing up, managing him against John Moxley, and uh, they held the belt for almost a year uh, together. And uh, he made Omega a great heel. Uh, you know, Omega is the greatest on the mic either, so he he helped get heat for him as well a little bit, and uh, also got the Young Bucks to turn heel during that time also. Um, yeah, that, uh, that, that, that one year run, uh, he'll run as champion, uh, it, he's, he's synonymous with that, so, uh, I'm gonna give the edge to, to him with Kenny Omega, but yeah, there's a lot of room for growth, uh, potential with what he's doing now, too. Alright, so Adam and I both go with Kenny Omega, Bob goes with Takeshita when it comes to the handiwork of one Don Callis. All right. Well, we've come to our last pick here out of the hat. Our last manager that we're going to be talking about tonight. Oh. And we cap it off in style because we have the one, the only, Paulie Dangerously slash Paul Heyman to close things out. Bob, who do you think is the best client when it comes to Paul Heyman? He's got a long list, too. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. Um, the Dangerous Alliance, I'm immediately brought to Rick Rude uh, and the crew that he had there, Art Anderson, Bobby Eaton, your boy Larry Zabisco. Uh, but I feel like Rick Rude was, was the man there. Um, CM Punk, he was with him for a short period of time. He was a Paul Heyman guy. Um... We even want to go even further old school. Eddie Gilbert and the Dark Patriot were with him. Um, there's just such a rich history with this man at the helm, but uh, Brock Lesnar. Um, you know, the shit he did with Lesnar, but Suplex City and all that stuff, but... I feel like what he's done with Roman Reigns at this time, converting him over to be the heel character that he is, and just being in his corner during such an illustrious reign as heavyweight championship, I don't think anything can touch that in the work he's done. I mean, like I said, he's got a rich history with people that he's managed, but what he's doing right now with Roman Reigns I just feel like is 
top of the game for him. All right. How about you, Adam? Yeah, I think it's a toss-up between uh, Brock and Roman and, of course, Larry Zabisco. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vince McMahon Jr. Oh, my God. Anyway. What a turd. What a turd. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, this, this, this is potentially one of the hardest ones because, yeah, what he's doing with... Uh, with Roman is yeah uh, has brought him to another level um, as a heel. Uh, of course, this long championship reign of his, um, you know, that's always going to be remembered uh, when you look back at WWE history. But I'm going to give the edge to Brock Lesnar only because of the longevity factor. Um, they're together for a very long time. Um, we were talking about Sabu earlier and um, about how Sabu really couldn't talk and uh, Bill Alfonso had to do a lot of the selling for him and, and that's exactly what Heyman's job was for for Lesnar uh, in those early years when he was the next big thing and then, you know, as, as everything continued, uh, you know, just like Paul Bear and The Undertaker, he was just synonymous for all those title wins, all those big matches, um until he uh, started managing Roman Reigns. So just for longevity's sake, uh, I don't know how much farther he's going to go managing Roman, but uh, for now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Brock. Yeah, this is the toss-up for me. It's either between Brock or Roman. Um, I, li- I loved him together with CM Punk, don't get me wrong, but... That's another instance where CM Punk did need a mouthpiece. Um, Heyman was just there because they were really close. Uh, not that Heyman didn't contribute to that relationship. He really did. But um, Punk could could do it by himself. Uh, when it comes to Brock, he's the one in most need of a mouthpiece because we all know that Brock is n- not the strongest talker in the world. Um <laughs> But I'm going to agree with Bob because when it comes to Roman Reigns, um, Roman was a guy who was just criticized left and right, left and right, left and right, until he finally made that heel turn. And when he made that heel turn and teaming up with Paul Heyman um, made all the sense in the world because now you have him in a natural position because I think Roman is just a natural heel and his mic skills have gotten so much better under Heyman's tutelage. You know, the, the promo like you used to cringe at Roman's promos. Now he's, he's like one of the best on the mic that they have. And I think Heyman has a lot to do with it. I think his influence really rubs off. So yeah, I'm going to agree with Bob and I'm going to go with Roman Reigns on this one. He's doing the best work of his career right now with Reigns. So yeah, there we go. Our last manager, Paul Heyman, me and Bob going with Roman Reigns, Adam going with Brock Lesnar. All right, well, there you go. That's the you pick them for this week. Did you guys have a lot of fun? Let's start with you, Bob. How'd you like this uh, this installment of you pick them? I was sad there was no Coach John Tolos or <laughs> Jose Lothario. Um Sorry to disappoint talk you. about the best of the best. 
I, I'm very disappointed. If you're going to bring out the best of the best, and you don't bring out those Coach two, you know, it's just... I was going to bring out... You guys Sullivan. I was going to bring out Paul Ellering, but uh, him, Rocco was a package deal, and I figured, fuck it, that, that's not worth it. Yeah. These guys are going down well, this is fun. Um, the wrong way. I, I, I would have been interested to see what uh, what everyone's choice would have been for the man Jim Cornette. Um, he w- he was in the hat. We just didn't, yeah. we didn't pick him. I was, but uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun uh, going back, especially trying to recall all the people that these you know that they managed. Um, Dino Bravo, I mentioned earlier. I tried to think of his manager. Wasn't his name like Frenchy something? Frenchy Martin. Um, Frenchy Martin. Yeah. Frenchie Martin, yeah. uh, Sir Oliver Humperdinck was another one. Yes. Uh, it just brings you back to all the good old great managers back in the day that uh, uh, we stood out and just, you know, I feel like sometimes it got into a lost art form, the the history of a manager. So it's uh, it's great to talk about him. Yeah. How about you, Adam? What are your thoughts on you pick him tonight? Yeah, it was a fun topic. Uh, Mr. Fuji, that would have been another good one. Also in the hat, we just didn't pick him. But you know, maybe he'll be in the hat. Sonny. Maybe he'll be in the hat next time. Here. Yeah, that was another let me, one. Let me give you the picks that we didn't that we didn't get. Let me un- unwrap these. We we didn't get Sir Oliver Humperdinck. Yes. Nice. Arnold Scotland. Sure. Sonny. Oh, good call. Jim Cornette. And Mr. Fuji. lastly, Mr. Fuji. Yeah, those were the ones yeah. that we did not get that did not get picked tonight. But uh, no love for Colonel Robert Parker. It's bullshit. No, no, sorry about that. He didn't make the list. Well, that would have been Southern justice without a doubt. But um, <laughs> yes, it's yes, it's it's always fun to do these. Um, you know, it, 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 it it's always fun to do, but especially when there's differing opinions and you know ways of of coming at it uh yeah it just uh i like doing these it's you know it, it, it's always an interesting fun conversation to to have and, and debate in a friendly manner yeah and we'll do this again sometime down the road but i hope you guys enjoyed our you pick them this week uh yeah if you have any opinions you can do what Everybody does, and join our Facebook fan page. We'll get into that more as we close the show. But before we do that, let's do what we do every week and give you our match of the week picks. These are picks of matches to watch in the meantime, in between time, before we get to you again next week. Adam, let's start with you. What's your match of the week pick this week? A little late to the party on this one, but I really enjoyed uh, you guys had mentioned it to me. Uh, Eddie Kingston and Claudio at the Grand Slam that opened up the show. Um, it was title versus title. Uh, Eddie, the, the New Japan Strong Champion, and Claudio, the Ring of Honor Champion. Um, long-time rivalry, um, which was building also on AEW and Ring of Honor television. Uh, just a lot of emotion in the building that night because it was in New York where Eddie's from. Uh, crowd's always behind him. Um and uh, they, they put on a really good match. Uh, I love uh, Eddie wearing the Ring of Honor belt, having 
uh, some great matches already with guys like Suzuki and Shibata and, and uh, people like that. Uh, but it was uh, it was just one of those moments where you know Eddie gets a major title. I thought he was overdue for it, and um, you know, it was it was a great story. Uh, two hard hitting guys, uh, and, and yeah, it was it was a fun match to watch. So I recommend that one. Alright, how about you Bob, what's your match of the week pick this week? I watched Fastlane the other day and I had fun watching just because I really enjoy these two um, Seth Rollins and Nakamura had a last man standing match, that was a fun match to watch, um, just because I like both of the characters, I like both of them in the ring together um, so, you get a chance to check it out Alright, well my pick uh, we talked about Dynamite and NXT going up against each other. Uh, the match from Dynamite that I really liked was uh, Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland. That was a really fucking good match. Um, just those two going after each other. I like how, um, you know, it also furthered the storylines that they got going. Swerve, of course, with uh, Hangman. It looks like they have an ongoing feud going. This kind of furthered that. It was just an all-around, um, just a really great match between two really gifted wrestlers. I'm really, really enjoying the push that Swerve is, is on right now. Um, and like I said, he's going to be one of the top heel. If not already, he's one of the top heels in the in the company. He's definitely going to be there in short order. And also, I think he's going to be a really good... Um, really good um, contender for that belt. So yeah, that's my match of the week pick this week. Brian Danielson versus Swerve Strickland. Alright, well that's the show for this week. Um, we want to hear from you. Again, two ways to do that. You can email us at EnhancementTalent316 at gmail.com Again, that's EnhancementTalent316 at gmail.com or you can do what everybody else does and join our Facebook fan page. Just go on Facebook, look up the Enhancement Talent, join up. Uh, just a really good community there. Just talking wrestling. You can post memes, jokes, show suggestions, poll questions, whatever the hell you want to talk about in the world of wrestling. It's all up for grabs on the Enhancement Talent fan page on Facebook. Also, wherever you stream or listen to the show, hit that subscribe or follow button. That way you get notified automatically whenever a new episode drops. And also, what the hell, give us a five-star review while you're there. That really helps us out a lot. Uh, yeah, five-time, five-time, five-time. Uh, <laughs> just give us five stars, damn it. We really deserve it, I think. All right. Well... <laughs> That's Talk about Harvey Whippleman, for God's sake. Yes, yeah, for crying out loud. If that doesn't give us five stars, what the fuck? All right. Well, that's the end of the show. So, for the Warsaw Blonde himself, Adam Kolovic, and for the other half of the amazing Lopez cousins, Dr. Bob Lopez, I'm Tony Lopez. We'll see you guys again next week. Have a safe and happy week. We'll talk to you again later. Bye-bye. See ya. It's a celebration, bitches. (laughs) Fuck your couch.